you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza. And as always, we have a very dynamic and very special show in store for you today. I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. My guest today is Dylan Hunter Olson, who joins us from Boise, Idaho. And Dylan, I'm going to read your bio here for everybody. This is going to be a show that's revealing and takes us through a lot of transformation. And this is what Dylan is all about. So Dylan Hunter Olson is an independent singer, songwriter, mentor, transformational teacher, and writer based out of Boise, Idaho. He is involved with the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery, or IAWESOME, as a teacher and a council member, an instructor at the Mastery Academy for the Musical and Technological Arts, a writer for the Zine Zine, and a DJ at a local establishment. After struggling for many years with drug addiction and alcohol abuse, he had a series of experiences that served as his awakening and went through a massive transformation that made his life an inspiration to all those who meet and know him. And he strives to share his story and mission with the whole of humanity through the languages of music, writing, speech, comedy, and love. Dylan, welcome to Decide to Transform. Thank you, Tomas. It's this a pleasure to be here. It is. It's a pleasure to have you. And there's so much here. Guys listening out there, wherever you are, we've been talking about this show appearance for quite some time. And we have known that we'll easily fill an hour of time. So, I hope <laughs> that, yeah, Absolutely. And commercial free at this point, by the yes. way. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So I hope that you're in for a really, really fun ride. So uh, Dylan, I've been dying to ask you several things about your transformational work here. So, uh, you know, would you mind taking us through what exactly that entails? Yeah. Um, so in the past, uh, a lot of my work, um, so, uh, I guess to give it context, uh, when I first started getting into transformational work, I was exposed to, um, which I explained to you in, um, one of our earlier conversations about right. the new masculine program, uh, that I, uh, did a workshop in, and there was a lot of shadow work and, um, really intensive journaling, really intense, uh, community and brotherhood between men. And so I kind of, that really is what sparked it. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of my approach, it's very simple, but very radical in the sense that I just like to promote radical self-honesty and um, okay. really kind of, it's kind of, I, I, I don't really have like any seminars or workshops. It's more of how I um, interact in my relationships and how I interact just in my everyday life and kind of how I choose to show up in okay. this, in the way of, you know, you, you might 
find yourself with an acquaintance or a stranger even, and you find yourself in this conversation and all of a sudden you notice yourself at this fork in the road where you could do what you always do, which is maybe shrug off their comment or you dismiss what they say, or even though what they're saying is out of alignment with who you are and your truth. So there's that fork in the road where you could do that, or you could do what's in alignment with your higher self and your truth and choose to be naked and communicate. And so that's really the road that I try to do is, um, and I actually, I experience it a lot being a DJ at a bar um, where especially in, I mean, shoot, even in the past three months, my personal evolution and transformation has just expanded exponentially. And so I find myself in these conversations in this very low vibrational environment um, because being in a, and honestly, that's one of my gripes with it is that, uh, you know, I'm facilitating a space where people are escaping their lives and calling it celebration. Okay. And uh, yeah. And so it, but I find myself at this place often where I'm having this discourse with people and I can either choose to validate their pain and affirm it and feed into it, or I can propose different questions and I can always provide love, unconditional love. And so I've kind of just taken it upon myself to, you know, for myself to live out of this higher vibration. And I've just noticed very rapidly and radically how it is transforming my reality and the realities of those around me. Yes. And this is something very interesting that I want to ask you about, because in the last three months, there have been a number of people that I know personally that I'm connected to personally, whether it's a work associate, a colleague or a friend or someone else who has said that they've had massive, I mean, literally massive transformation in their lives. And they have often said to me that they wake up one day a very different person than they were Mm. the night before when they went to bed. Now, does that speak to your experience as well? Yeah, I would say so. Um, And and yeah, it keeps changing form. You know, it's almost like, because in, I mean, because there are some awakenings that happen from tragic events, you know, some, and that was certainly with sobriety, what it was because it was this series of tragic events that really um and but something clicked it was like Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. there was this clicking where all of a sudden it was like oh i'm not doing that anymore like that doesn't make any sense but then certainly over the past few months it was like yeah there's just some moments where all of a sudden and i actually um was talking with a friend recently and i was like yeah it's like crazy how like evolving beyond the ego in a way that is indefinable. And so I'll notice in my own self-awareness, my ego kind of like scrambling, trying to define what is going on within these mental constructs, but it's like beyond, but it can't because it's, I'm moving beyond those limits and those boundaries uh, within my own consciousness where, uh, and there'll just be moments where all of a sudden I'll notice things that before I totally tolerated in people's behavior and things that people say to me and things that I receive into my energy field. And now all of a sudden I'm just like, yeah, no, that doesn't work for me. (laughs) That doesn't work for me. And I'll just like, I have no problem calling people out on it and, and holding my ground and not in a place of like, I'm holding my ground. I'm coming at you. It's like, (laughs) it's like, Hey man, like I love myself and I hold myself to this standard. And as such, I know that you're capable of this too. So why don't we try and meet there? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, which is a radically different perspective than the way all of us are, are raised, 
Yeah. Almost oh, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so now had this been happening prior to the last three months or has that just been an acceleration in your experience? I think this past few, uh, few months was definitely an acceleration. Um, okay. I've been on this spiritual journey for probably a, close to 10 years, at least seven or eight years okay. is when I started um, really opening up myself to um, different philosophies and because it started off with a curiosity in Eastern philosophy, uh, diving into Buddhism, Hinduism, right. Taoism, and uh, kind of, but at first I was just kind of dipping my toes. I was just kind of playing in the water. I wasn't diving in. I was, you know, just kind of testing it out. And, uh, and I actually grew up uh, Christian. Um, but it was on my own accord. My family didn't really go to church. I think I found a sense of refuge in the community there, um, growing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and so, but then it's like that a lot of things started sticking out to me where I was like, "Ah, this doesn't, this doesn't sit right with me. Like there are just some things and it wasn't even the faith necessarily. It was, uh, more attributed to the practice and how it was applied by humans. Um, and so, but I, I kind of dipped my toes in it. And then, uh, I, my massive awakening occurred about a year. It was a, a little, little over a year ago. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and that was when I got sober. So I actually, I got a DUI and I was leaving work and, uh, cause I was DJing at a bar and I remember my emotional state that day. I was in a, like, I don't give a crap. Like I'm going <laughs> to, whatever, whatever happens, happens. So All right. I, drank yeah. and I got pulled over and, but it was, uh, and I continued that behavior of still drinking, still partying, still hanging out with the same people for about a month. And, uh, then I had this experience with a, um, a relationship I was in where, um, I found myself again at that fork in the road of like, am I going to choose to do this? Like, am I going to choose to lie? And because basically what had happened is, uh, uh, my partner at the time, she had made some choices that made me feel insecure. Okay. And yeah. me being a mature adult male decided it would be a great idea to go drink and do a lot of cocaine. And I ended up sleeping with somebody else. So I found wow. myself at this fork in the road where I was like, I can either lie and try to preserve the relationship or I can have integrity and I can tell the truth to her, like tell her the truth and right. um, and not have these barriers around my heart. Because if I take this road, I know that I will have barriers around my heart and that will make it harder for me to be intimate. That'll make it harder for me to love myself. So I chose integrity. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was really a big moment uh, where I chose that and I risked, I was like, I'm going to risk losing this because right. it's, it, I have to operate from my heart. And from there, then that really just segued into me being radically honest with myself and realizing, wow, like I can't live this lifestyle anymore. Like alcohol has not brought me any real joy. Drugs don't bring me any real joy. These are my ways of escape. And so once I admitted that to myself, mm-hmm. um, it, it just, it took off. Cause then I, my commitment was like my commitments to my health, it's to my growth it's to my yeah. relationships and my yeah. presence. And so then I just took to uh, creating a daily practice where I read every day. I've been reading just 
a crazy amount of books, right. meditating. Um, yeah. I've been reading, I was actually reading a course in miracles this morning. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. It's a wonderful book. Yes. Wonderful practice. And, uh, so I've just been really, and then physical exercise, just trying to keep all the facets of myself aligned. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that really just made, was the foundation for me to expand further and uh, dive into myself more deeply. Okay. Well, and uh, you know, as we mentioned at the outset, uh, those of you listening in, this is a radical journey and massive transformation has taken place clearly so <laughs> and, and it's wonderful dylan how um, how long were you involved in the the drinking and the drug world or how long was that a part of your life it was about 10 years, 10 years. Uh, okay. i really i i didn't i didn't really i mean i had experimented a little bit as a teenager okay. but um it didn't really stick i was a pretty good kid and i just mm -hmm. um Actually, most of my refuge as a teen in my teen years was in music and like video games and um, but I mean I did I yeah. still I would say my my affinity for addictive behavior started at a very early age and that was in video games um, even pornography uh, um, yeah and so I definitely had um, dark addictive patterns from a very early age that I sought refuge in um, and ran for myself in. Okay. But um, it wasn't until I was about 18, 19 that I really discovered um, drinking and narcotics. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can escape my feelings entirely. I can <laughs> numb this pain, even though it was only temporary. I became totally smitten. Um, and, you know, as, as such, I was also really um, like my favorite front men were the ones that were dead. Like Kurt Cobain, uh -huh. Jimi Hendrix, yeah. Jim Morrison, which it's like, they may have been good songwriters and artists, but they also, their darkness killed them. They let their dark <laughs> sides kill them. Like, yeah. so why am I, Yes. <laughs> you know, even writers, I, you know, you're, I would look up to uh, uh, Hunter S. Thompson. One was one, he's one of my favorite rock star writers because he's right. just, I mean, the guy was just out of his mind, but yeah. I was like, he was so charismatic. And mm -hmm. so I was like, man, I just love that. Rockstar writer. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I just loved that persona. But yes. it was like, the more I emulated it, the more I emulated the madness that came along with it and that pain. And I just, and it, pers it cons persisted for a long time. And I definitely, mm -hmm. um, I put myself in a lot of really bad situations pretty sure. often. And uh, yeah. it, it definitely, I pushed my body's limits and my mm -hmm. mind's limits uh, with a lot of my behaviors. Um, right. Well, and, and you mentioned the incidents that you had with your former partner that helped bring you out. Now, were there other experiences or incidences that helped facilitate that switch? Oh, um, I mean, so there was the DUI, there was that, um, there was, I mean, for this big switch, those were the main two. Um, okay. And then kind of over the past year, it's kind of just been making switches as I moved along. So mm -hmm. as more things you know, as I, uh, like I, I had a job that I had revisited, uh, where I was a DJ at a roller rink in Boise. And so, okay. uh, and I had worked there a few years prior and, um, but recently, you know, it, it became very clear to me. I was like, this does not fill my soul. 
So it has to go. Mm -hmm. And once I closed that door, I mean, more doors opened. So it's kind of been more of the more aware I become of, um, become aware. I've just become self-aware the easier Mm -hmm. it's become to kind of pick and choose things and let's go like attachment and detachment game and and Mm -hmm. letting things go and allowing more abundance and opportunity to flow in. Yeah. And what would you say to people that are out there listening that may be going through something very similar? Um, What is the most difficult part do you find about the ongoing journey of of moving from addiction to sobriety? Mm. Well, I'd say there's a few things Mm -hmm. Um, for me. So in my own transformation, I kind of, it's kind of become a game for me of playing with um, at least consciousness has like in the idea of relinquishing identity. Like that is so fascinating to me. And the idea that the idea that like, Mm -hmm. wow, like I'm really not anything I think I am. That's just what I think I am. I, but, but then at the same time, you know, you get into the power of thoughts, what, you know, I, I think therefore I am, you know, that whole kind of thing. So, right. And that's the power of manifestation, you know, our thoughts yeah. and perceptions really literally create reality. But when you get into like identification and you relinquish that identification with things, it really opens you up to who you truly are and who you truly are becoming. And um, so I yes. guess what I would say is a, a big one for me too, is the, the narrative. I got very interested in my own story and very attached okay. to my own story of, right. because a lot of us think, Without my story, who am I? Without mm-hmm. this narrative, without my pain, who am I? And, um, and that was a hard thing for me to let go of because as a child, um, my, my dad committed suicide when I was six. Uh, okay. And, uh, and um, about five or six months later, I was molested by these older boys that lived down the street mm. from me. Mm. And so at a very early age, I experienced not only a loss of a father figure, um, right and the example of what it is to be a man. But I also experienced this crippling guilt and shame because even though like my experience with it, I had no idea what it was. Like it was just the thing that happened. But once the adults found out Mm -hmm. and my mom was like, you know, and she meant well, she was trying to, you know, doing her best to protect me. But I, you know, for me, I took it as like, there's something, did I do something wrong? Am I like, so it's like I, the way that it was perceived by the outside world, I internalized that in a way that I just carried with me with shame and guilt. And that really attributed to my affinity for um, low self-worth. I, you know, self-loathing, a lack of loving myself. And, um, and then, you know, I, as I got older, um, got bullied in middle school and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I never had, I was always picking up the broken pieces of these men that were in and out of my life that were never, you know, I never really, I developed a distrust for father figures at a very young age and authority. Okay. So I pushed it away. Yeah. And, um, and so, but that narrative only strengthened my affinity for addiction because I was just like, mm-hmm. out of that pain, that was a wonderful excuse to be a victim and a wonderful, and so being a victim made it so much easier to Right. Well, you, they don't understand me. Fuck the world. Bleh, screw you guys. Bleh. And right. but it didn't it didn't change anything. And until I started playing around with changing my perception. And once I started changing the way that I saw the events of my past and going instead of saying asking questions such as why me, 
why did this happen to me going how can i grow? Yeah. how was this a, making me grow more how does this, how is this a tool that I can use to relate to other human beings and open up that dialogue? Cause it's like these, and I actually was talking to a friend recently. He's experienced a lot of loss in his life and okay. he kind of has been in that victim mindset. And I said to him, I, I go, you don't realize that you're, you're sitting on gold. Mm. Like you're, you're literally all your pain and your loss that you have, you're sitting on gold because you have now these immense tools of depth that you can relate with people who go you wouldn't understand actually it's quite the contrary you right. know like i've i've experienced some really dark things and maybe yeah. we can have a tough conversation about this and mm -hmm. maybe we can open up deeper avenues of healing sure and so i would say to people um have the courage to detach from your narrative and okay. um change and change your story because it's like our our past changes with who we are in the present so like how you feeling how you're perceiving yeah. in this present moment actually changes the way you see your past like, yes and plus the past isn't even a real thing it's gone it doesn't exist anymore except for in here in our mm -hmm. minds right so it's uh you know allowing yourself to be free of the past um be free of any attachment and anticipation for the future and just mm -hmm. realize that you're creating both past and future from you know, they're like wakes coming out from now. Yeah. Um, yeah, most definitely. Well, and then at what point did you begin to, as you say, start to play with perception, start to look at that differently? Ooh, I think that was, so that started pretty early on. And I, I actually got into that with psychedelics, psychedelics. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, probably at the age of 18 was okay. when I first took mushrooms, psilocybin mm. mushrooms. And, mm -hmm. um, and those were always my favorite, like with when it came to substances, cause it was like, okay. they were, it was a, it was always a very spiritual experience, a very, um, and I love intellectual, intellectual stuff. And, right. and so it was always, it right. always prompted a lot of healing and a, and a lot of growth and, um, yeah, I just, I think that was really what got me into it. And I, I don't remember where I became so fascinated in psychedelics. It was probably fear and loathing in Las Vegas, if I'm well, being entirely honest, <laughs> seeing that and being like, huh, like, and you know, as a kid, you know, you, you grow up and your school is like showing you videos like this is acid and everything is cartoons. And you're like, is that really what it is? And you try it and you're like, oh, it's not like that at all. <laughs> and um, it's not so a think, cartoon. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's more just like 4K. Like, <laughs> so um, yeah, so I, I think that's really where I got into playing with perception was in psychedelics. Okay. And, uh, and then it really took a turn when I, um, and I think I had talked about this in our last conversation as well, but when I was in rehab, and mm -hmm. my counselor suggested the book, The Untethered Soul. Right. And uh, so once I read that book, that was just, you know, that just cracked me open a little bit more. And from there, you know, I really got into The Power of Now, A New Earth. Um, okay. Uh, the Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment by mm -hmm. Thaddeus Golis, which is a yeah. super cool little read. Yes. Um, so yeah, I just started really playing around with um, and reading more work from... Uh, 
just about consciousness and transformation and changing okay. your perception and relinquishing structures and mm-hmm. really just diving into that. Yeah, I took a deep dive and there's so many wonderful materials out there. So you mentioned just a, a few of all of the spiritual texts and books that are out there and available to people. And well, Dylan, um, here's a question for you. Have you had any outstanding or, or noteworthy mentors or teachers on this journey? Mm. Um. Well, I, the, Zat Baraka was a mentor to me for a brief time because okay. uh, I was enrolled in his new masculine program. Ah, yeah. And, um, and, and he, he was definitely, um, I would say he was really the, he was the main reason I got into the masculine work to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. As for continued mentorship, uh, you know, I can't really think of, anyone outside of the authors of the books I read. Um, like I'm a huge fan of, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. He's definitely a teacher that I aim to emulate my perception and my ability to love after, Mm -hmm. um, Deepak Chopra is another big one. Um, uh, Tony Robbins is one of my faves. Like I just Mm -hmm. love that guy's energy and, um, Eckhart Tolle and, um, yeah, I would say just authors really, cause I'm kind of a, I'm a bookworm. Uh-huh. So I, yeah. and uh, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty solid. I'm a pretty solitary creature <laughs> for the most okay. part. Like uh, right. in my, in my DJ, like, I mean, DJing is really the most I socialize and I'm not even really socializing with people, but um, I feel right. like it's the more that I've evolved, um, the harder it is for me to be in social situations where I don't care like and that sounds really bad but you know like because yeah. it's like i don't i don't i'm not the kind of person that i like go out to a party and i'm gonna be like bouncing around all the people like hey what's going on like i'm more of the guy right. that sits by himself and just kind of people watches sure. and you know then someone comes over and it's like what's up man do you want to go like do this i'm like ah, i'm fine i'm good like you want to <laughs> talk like we can we can sit and talk and like you know how's your relationship with your parents <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> um, yeah Oh, people can ask any any kind of questions. Yeah, but I, yeah. I know what you mean. These are the the kind of dialogues where um, it's it's just surface level. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you you're clearly saying uh, you like the ones that are a little bit more in depth. Absolutely, and yeah. I think that I think that my my taste for that really has come from because um, I used to be very surfaced, uh, especially like when I was. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I can't, I really can't remember a lot of details over the past 10 years. Okay. Uh, Cause it was, I was just high and drunk all the time. And, um, but then I do, but I, I mean, there's all these clicks of people that I would kind of just bounce around. Like I wouldn't ever really stay long enough to connect deeply. Cause I was so right. afraid I did, hadn't connected with myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so now I find myself at this place where when that opportunity to can, you know, kind of bounce around connecting with people on a surface level is there. I just don't really care for it. Cause I'm like, I've done that. And it didn't bring me any, any, um, fulfillment. It didn't make me feel good, you know? And so I'd rather, I'd rather connect deeply with a few people and really dive deep down the rabbit hole than barely get to know a million people and not really, you know, experience any depth at all. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is something that a lot of people that are going through a massive transformation or they've had periods of time like that in their lives, I think that they can completely relate to that. It's a common enough experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so you mentioned a lot of books just a moment ago. What are you reading right now? Ooh. So um, I just started picking up A Course in Miracles again today, but I had okay. taken a little break from it because it's a it's a, you know, a whole consciousness bender. It just, yes. um, but I was mm-hmm. getting, um, and then I actually started reading for the love of men by Liz Sparks. And it's a, okay. a, a new vision for mindful masculinity. It's a wonderful oh, read. Right. So she, um, really, she basically travels the world interviewing men and, um, in different cultures and addresses uh-huh. all these different areas of masculinity mm-hmm. where, um, And it's just, she, you know, there's a lot of research and data and studies, uh, which, you know, some people are very science-based. And so in that regard, you know, it has the scientific research about idealized masculinity and actually how detrimental it is and how, um, Mm -hmm. how real of a thing it is. A lot of people are just like, oh yeah, that's not a thing. It's like, actually, like we can talk about it. I'll, you know, I might change your mind. <laughs> right. And let me show you the following examples. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And speaking of that, you know, what, how do you see that, um, that playing out as being really detrimental? I mean, what's the number one thing that you see in your experience? About, yeah. So, I mean, I see it quite a bit in, mm-hmm. um, out at the bar that I work at. And, ah, yeah, um, yeah. There will be, you know, and I really, I hear it a lot in language, a lot of, and I, I, cause I become a lot more sensitive in my awareness to really paying attention to the vocabulary that people choose to use. Okay. And so with men, you know, hearing the way that they choose to talk about other men and other, and choose to talk about women, I'll also pay a lot of attention to body language so I can kind of, um, and facial expression. Um, But then on top of that, so I noticed this, and this still baffles me, is so I, it's out in Nampa, Idaho. And it's mm-hmm. so Nampa is kind of on the outskirts of Boise. It's one part of the Treasure Valley. Um, uh-huh. But it's a lot more of like an old school kind of country area, like, you know, blue collar. Um, and so I'll be DJing and I love fashion. I absolutely love it. Like I All love right. And people ask me, a lot of people ask me if I'm even from here. They don't think I'm from Boise because I'm like, so I'm lavish and I'm flamboyant and I'll wear like, I'll wear like mint pants and like oh, a cool go. button up and you know, my loafers. And they're just mm-hmm. like, they, a lot of men right, right off the bat will just be like, dude, that dude's totally gay. Oh. And uh, which I, you yeah. know, it blows my mind that it's like, mm-hmm. because they can see that I'm in, in touch with my femininity. Like sure. I am in touch with my feminine energy and automatically for mm-hmm. them, that is attributed to sexual orientation, which I find a very yeah. interesting switch. Like it's a very interesting, like bridging of the gap. Um, yeah. And which I'm not. And so it always baffles mm-hmm. me to, uh, to hear such a closed minded thing. And I'm like, well, that's just, you know, and there's that um, a lot of, I noticed it a lot in uh, misogyny. So uh, I've become a lot more aware of uh, mm-hmm. just, yeah. Like I don't like locker room talk. I, I don't participate in it and I don't condone it. Um, and then also consent. Consent right. is a huge thing. Yeah. Whether, whether it's dancing in a woman's space 
or um, persisting when a woman tells a guy like, hey, let me buy you a drink. No, I'm fine. No, well, you know, like, and it's like, dude, she said no. That means when a person says no, unless she's being like, no, stop. No, I can't. No, no. Then, okay. Maybe her body language is telling you something different, but um, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of just, the more aware, and then I become aware of it in myself too, like of my own programming. And then it's, Mm -hmm. you know, rock in my world. And so the more aware of it, I'm becoming in myself, I'm becoming aware of it in others. And um, yeah. And so it's really, uh, and just seeing how afraid of intimacy men are because men don't know how to be intimate especially okay. with other men they don't know how to be intimate with their with brothers we yeah. kind of lost that in modern culture of yes. that that sense of community between brother you know mm-hmm. human brothers and sisters yeah we really have and i think you just touched on something that's really really important is, is men are not socialized to be intimate um, after yeah. a certain point it's pushed away and uh, we're socialized to run away from that. I mean, run far, far away. In, in yeah, men, very right? far, yeah. Yes, in many cases. So what do you suppose needs to happen for, um, for us to, to start to get that sense of, of intimacy, that sense of brotherhood back? Because it's so important, as you just mentioned. Ooh, well, so kind of how I've been um, approaching it all, is you know uh because it is such an ingrained thing and Mm -hmm. it's not it's not solely a systemic thing even though our systems and our infrastructure certainly propagate it sure um and so like it's not like we can just tear down the infrastructure like even like yeah there's a lot of it that came from the colonialism and the patriarchy there's a lot of it that came from that but it's not the sole source same right. as it's probably, you know, gender biased marketing and advertising is a thing. Why is that a thing? Well, we can't just do away with all marketing and advertising. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we can't just completely crumble everything down, which, um, you know, most people is kind of, and we see that a lot in the world right now, especially in the U S we're seeing like, people are going, this system is bad. The system is the cause of this. So if we take, we, the cr- whole thing needs to come crumbling down. When I'm seeing things a little differently where this new spiritual revolution that we're having, we're seeing in humanity, this awakening is not one of pointing the fingers and blaming the systems. Even It's taking personal accountability and responsibility for how we've played a part and going, yes. how do I change myself? Because if every single human being in the world became radically honest with themselves and started saying, you know what? I am afraid if every man was like, wow, it has been ingrained in me from a young age that to be in tune with my emotions is a sissy thing. It's a pussy thing. It's yeah. don't be like a girl, which where mm-hmm. did we ever learn that girls are like weak? Like a woman carries a baby in their body and pushes it out through their body. And then yes. we're like, yeah, you're just a girl. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and you've been hit by a woman when she's mad. <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, I've witnessed um, a woman giving birth a cu- on a couple of occasions, oh, and wow. uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's a, it's quite an amazing experience for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and you know, this is really an interesting point that you make. This is a phrase that I think is a theme of our conversation, and that's radical self honesty. 
Yeah. Yeah. Being radically honest. So what do you suppose stops people from going there? You know, why do you suppose people are, are so hesitant to really do that deeper work and be radically honest with themselves? Ooh, well, I think we're not really, we're not really encouraged to do it at all in our culture first mm -hmm. off. And so it feels, it, fe it would feel like to do it um, would be to be completely and utterly alone. And, um, and we've also been just very engendered with these strange ideas of like, like this investment in this illusion that really, in my opinion is like, it's not the real deal. Like no. we're like yeah. so invested in how things look um, instead of how it feels and instead mm -hmm. of how the experience of it is. And, um, like mm -hmm. for me that my real, you know, being radically self-honest was, and I mean, we're all, we're all, um, encouraged to believe in our own lies. And, um, sure. and for me for a long time, I, and it's something I still notice coming up in my programming is I've always perceived other people's perceptions of myself to be more real than my own in the oh, past. Okay. So yeah. like when someone would go, Hey man, you know what? That really wasn't cool. All of a sudden I'm going, well, this person probably sees me better than I do. Cause I don't, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on inside me. Like maybe they see me better. Um, mm -hmm. But the more clear I've gotten and the more grounded I've gotten, the, you know, now I'm like, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. But, and like, I'll listen and I'll take it, but it doesn't mean I'm going to believe it doesn't mean exactly. I'm going to believe you. Like I'll listen and I'll learn from it, but I'm not going to believe you. Right. Like, I'm hard. I'm hardly going to even believe myself. I'm just going to, I'm just here to listen and learn. Like mm -hmm. I don't need to incorporate this into my belief system about who I am because that's going to change. It'll probably be different tomorrow. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And as we've talked about it and it's likely to be, I mean, maybe yeah. in five minutes, you never know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even now it's like, we've talked about things over the past 28 minutes that uh, we didn't talk about before. So exactly. we're, yeah. we're automatic. We're already different. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, yep, already different one moment to the next. And it, yeah. it's just so interesting when that is reality and that so many people and so many social systems are set up to deny that and fight against it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just that, that personal accountability piece is, is really, really huge. And that's obviously been a large part of your journey. And is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners about how, um, how powerful it is to take that accountability? You know, how has that utterly transformed you? It's, it's almost like when you, when you hold yourself personally accountable and you hold yourself responsible for everything that has happened in your life, like granted, right. life throws things at us. It, you know, life throws curveballs. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we make choices that sometimes put ourselves in the line of fire of such curveballs. And those curveballs aren't inherently thrown at us to hurt us. Sometimes they're thrown at us to wake us up. Yes. Sometimes they're thrown. And so, and most of the time, because everything is always working out for each and every one of us. The universe is always conspiring in our favor for our own spiritual evolution and personal growth. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was like being invested in the solution or being convinced that you're blind and using that victim mindset. But all the while, you just have your hands in front of your eyes 
And then so personal right. accountability is when you go, oh, I'm just, these are my hands. I'm, I've been blinding myself this whole time. Mm-hmm. I've been living under my own blind illusion. I've been basically choosing to put cataracts in my eyes every day. And, you know, when you become radically, when you uh, become radically self-honest and hold yourself personally accountable for your life and your choices and your feelings and your thoughts and your relationships, then yeah. that's you taking the cataracts out and choosing to see clearly and, um, and take a different approach. Yes, exactly. And in your bio, you know, Dylan, you mentioned um, sharing your story, which, which we've shared part of today. And I really appreciate that. I know that there are a lot of people out there that can relate to that. But you also talk about your mission. And I'm wondering if you could say a few words about that, your mission here. My, my mission is really, because in my journey, I've realized how powerful I am as a spiritual being having a human experience. Right. And and I mean, that comes into my ability to love unconditionally, my ability to listen without uh, being obsessed with my own response, my ability to hold space for people that are in pain, Mm -hmm. my ability to transform my life in less than a year to go from being drunk and out of shape and high on Coke. And Mm -hmm. then less than a year later, I'm, my life is flooded with abundance and opportunities and I'm nowhere near where I was. I can't even mm-hmm. like fathom that same mindset. Yeah. And so I would say my mission is to inspire people and remind them of how, of how powerful they really are and like how powerful their choices are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that through, like, I don't, I don't bother with small talk really. So when people, when, yeah. when I meet people and they start talking to me, I will just jump right in where I'll just be like, well, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, why do you do that? Like, does that make, bring you joy? And all of a sudden they're like, shit, this guy's asking like, yeah, he's asking real questions. Like, yeah. and he's actually like, sitting whoa. here like, yeah, he's sitting here <laughs> looking at me like he wants to actually know. Like, and so by doing that, I'm like, yes. I just, because we've been convinced that we're not special. We've been convinced that we're not that powerful. We're just, I just work my job and Mm -hmm. this is what you do. And it's like, but is it, does it have to be? What if it could be anything you want it to be? What if you could be anything you want to be? What if you could live the life that you've always dreamed of that you think, I wish I could do that? Cause you can. And it comes down to, and you know, so really providing people not only with the inspiration, but then I, and I think this is what drives me to continue in my own self-education is once I can open up that dialogue and they go, okay, you have my attention, then I can share tools and devices and, um, you know, neurological practices and be like, Hey, you know, why don't you try this? I want you to go ahead. And honestly too, I receive them in downloads too, where I'll just be going. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden in that moment, I'll get an entirely new approach or an original uh, device to use. And I'll be like, Hey, you know what? I just thought of this. Why don't you try this? And then they're like, Oh, okay. And then they'll go try it and be like, dude, like, since I met you, like this has changed and I've done this and I've done that. And man, you just really have like, just that you said this one thing. And so I would say that that's like, my mission is just to, I'm not going to wake up humanity. Humanity is going to wake up themselves. But if I can prove to, and actually I was reading the gene keys recently. I read my, I did my gene key profile and it said that my purpose is 
my purpose is to be an example to others by being one who lives with purpose. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that very much rang true because that is very much how I live is I live with, um, you know, I always try to, I always practice seeing the divine and everything, uh, seeing everyone as a reflection of me. And if it's, and if it's more of a negative interaction, well, how is this something that I need to heal within myself? How did I attract this person in this conversation? What is this person mirroring to me? Right. Um, and then, and just seeing God in everything. Um, okay. Yeah. And not in a politically Judeo-Christian sense, but sure. like, right. you know, the essence of God, the essence of uh, Brahman. Um, right. A soul. And yeah. um, seeing that in everything, feeling it in everything and allowing it to flow into everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just for the sake of, just because, just because it feels that much better and it feels that much more real. And um, I've, you know, I used to not be very happy at all. Even my mother has told me, she's like, I have never in my life. And I'm go, I'll be 30 next year. Okay. And she mm-hmm. has told me, I've never seen you smile this big and this much ever in your whole life. So uh-huh. it's like, I've almost been on this planet for, I've almost been here for what is that? Two, three decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, three decades. And I haven't smiled as you know this is the first time i've smiled this much and this often <laughs> so All right well um yeah that, I would that's, say that's good yeah i and you know i i really love humor i love i love humor and so i yes. love yes. uh i would say that's also one of my tools is like I love um, it. and kind of one of my archetypes i actually was one of my friends recently uh mm. she was like you just have this like I've been like, sometimes I feel like I have multiple personality disorder because I just have so many characters that all like (laughs) allow to flow through me. And, uh, perfect. All right. Um, she was like, no, it's multiple personality order. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I like that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I'll just, um, and I think one of my archetypes is kind of that mischief mischievous. I'm like the, I, I like mischief. I like causing a ruckus. I like making people laugh. I like stirring things up and, right. Um, and that's a, and it's a wonderful segue as well to, you know, get into that deep conversation because you get people's attention by making them laugh. You make them smile you, and all of a yes. sudden they're vulnerable and now they're vulnerable. And now it's like, Hey, like, right. I'm human. You're human. Look how beautiful this is. And they're like, this is like kind of vulnerable and intimate. He's right. Like, how am I supposed to feel about this? But then I'm like sitting there totally naked, smiling and laughing. And they're like, well, if he can feel this way, I can yeah. too. And so I really just, yeah. I try to exude this, presence of like me being so confident and comfortable in who I am mm-hmm. right that that that's just a safe space people get into my space and they automatically can feel safe in being their weird full selves that they may not feel like they can really uh that they can reveal with other people but with yeah. me they feel like they can be who they really are and that's really what I strive to. Uh, okay. To yeah, I love that. It's like people need permission to uh, be able to to go there almost. And yeah, uh, it's it's wonderful that you can give that to them. And there are, are people that that can. And laughter is a beautiful part of medicine. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's quite wonderful. Well, uh, Dylan, so how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to find out more about how to work with you, for example, or contact you? How would they reach you? Yeah. Um, so the two best ways um, with the World Wide Web would obvi- uh, be email, which um, okay. would be D 
Olson H, which is D O L S O N H at gmail.com. Okay. Um, and, or, uh, or Facebook, which my, uh, handle on Facebook is just Dylan Hunter Olson and, um, perfect. And then they could, you know, keep tabs on, on all the developments. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, things are rapidly changing, you know, as, as you and I are, yes, <laughs> so, are. you know, there's no. uh, you know, new platform, the uh, I awesome that is coming up. And uh, yeah. so I don't um, in the future, I'm sure there'll be uh, you know, ways for them to get a hold of me with that as well, but on a more personal level, if they feel called okay. to reach out um, the two Facebook and email would certainly be the best for now. Yeah, uh, that's that's wonderful. And then again, for the listeners, the email address is dolsonh at gmail.com, D-O-L-S-O-N-H at gmail.com. And well, let's spend a minute talking about iAwesome. Yeah. So, yes. For for <laughs> yes, for the listeners, complete full disclosure, Dylan and I are both involved on the council of iAwesome, meaning we're helping build it. Dylan, what does this mean to you? What does this platform mean to you? Oh, and, and what and what is it actually as well for, for yeah. the listeners? Yeah, yeah. So iAwesome is the International Academy of Universal Self Mastery, which we uh Tomas touched on in my little uh blurb at the beginning that we're both involved with. Uh, but that is, um, basically it's an online learning and social platform, uh, built for students and their teachers built for students to have a very intimate and connected, uh, learning experience where they can not only connect with their teachers and ask quality questions and receive quality answers and have that really fruitful relationship, but they can also build those relationships with other students. And on top of the relationships, they're also provided with an ample amount of resources and the environment to be resourceful uh, where they can, uh, you know, they can access podcasts, they can access Mm -hmm. meditations, they can access um, just, you know, a whole variety of things. Um, Yeah. And so for me, it was really an answering to a question uh, because I had been wanting that, you know, I've been like, man, I really, I want an outlet to do my mentorship and my teaching. And I want somewhere where I can pour that I can not only pour my knowledge into and my wisdom, but that will, that will like, it'll create that circle where it'll, you know, prompt me to be more self-educated yeah where it's really gonna it's gonna encourage me to you know i'm not just gonna be pouring it won't be exhausting it'll be a a relationship where i'm pouring myself into it and then i go oh crap i don't know this as well as i thought i did (laughs) and then i'll start reading and i'll start taking other people's courses plus the fact that we're gonna be involved on a platform where it's like i can learn energy healing i can learn money mastery i can learn like all shamanic meditations Mm -hmm. and yoga. I'm like, dude, I will, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be dead broke because I'm going to be spending all my money on Uh courses. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I can relate to that as, as one who interviews the incoming faculty, I want to take everyone's course. And again, guys, this, uh, those of you out there listening, you're wondering a little bit more about this. It's the international Academy of universal self mastery and the acronym is beautiful and we love it. It's I awesome. I a U S M and the website, which is up and 
operational here. You can oh, visit it. Oh, is well, yeah. So we're we're uploading courses. We're launching in the fall, but you can access the website and sign up for our newsletter. At this point, yes. we're launching the academy, the online academy, in October. But the website address is iausm.com. IAUSM.com for iAwesome. Sign up for the newsletter. That that you can do right now. And there will be hundreds. We're up to 150 faculty members right now wow. from all over the world. So, and uh, well, Dylan, you're one of them. Yeah. I'm one of them. Yeah. And this is going to be fun. It's a fun journey. So I'm glad we got a few minutes to, to talk really about is. that. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that newsletter, you know, that's created by yours truly and our creative yes, team. So, <laughs> so if you, you know, you guys want to get over to iAwesome and, uh, you know, subscribe to that newsletter and yeah, we got some good content for you guys. We do. And, and Dylan's a phenomenal writer, guys. We're, we're um, experiencing some of this here on the show, which is really wonderful. And Dylan, this has been a a lot of fun and this very revealing. And I really, really appreciate your taking the time to join us here today on Decide to Transform. Yeah. Anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners before we wrap up here? Oh, I would just say, just, all right, I got a couple of things. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, a, cool, a cool meditation that that is more of it's it's not a sit down meditation this is a meditation you take and you chew on throughout the day but i i would encourage my listeners to or our listeners to uh live the day like a lifetime so when you wake you are born when you awaken you are born and you are new you are fresh and um you are going to feel every spectrum of emotion every color you're going to taste and smell things. And I encourage you okay. to go throughout the day as if it's the first time you're experiencing everything. So experiencing everything with awe and wonder right. and excitement and exuberance. And then as you get closer to the end of the day and you're laying down to go to bed and your head is laying on your pillow and you're looking up at the strange patterns on the ceiling, I encourage you to go to sleep with the mindset that you are not going to wake up. And as such, you will, and, and being aware of this throughout the day. So while you're also experiencing everything with awe and wonder, mm -hmm. experiencing everything with gratitude, because it's, you're experiencing it as if it's not only the first time you're experiencing it, but it's also the last time. So you're going to savor okay. and be grateful and, uh, yes. and then go to sleep and mm -hmm. see how full, see if you, and really pay attention with your awareness to your sense of fulfillment. Uh, okay. Are you, do you feel fulfilled? Do you go to sleep fast? do you, are you afraid? And it makes you stay up a little mm, longer because sure. you're afraid of letting go uh, and pay attention to these things. Um, and it's just a fun practice. If you really want to start developing self-awareness and start really paying attention in life and, and not cause you'll not only pay more attention to your external surroundings, but also your internal environment. You'll right. pay attention to what triggers your fear and um, what things really bring out joy and love and what things you want to give more attention to. Right, um, right. And so with that, I would just say live fearlessly and love recklessly. Because what's the worst thing that can happen? What, you're going to get your heart broken? Like you haven't been heartbroken before. You know, like get back up on that horse. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like act a fool. Be, you know, let fool, get love drunk. You know, yes. live 
live wildly, like mm-hmm. in a, not wildly in a inherently destructive sense, but you know, wildly in the yeah. sense that what do you have to lose right. other than to live? Like just, yeah. I always like to say like the worst thing that can happen is you can die. And that's not even the worst thing you can happen that can happen. Cause it's like, there's some people no. that will live their whole lives dead spiritually and they yeah. just, so it's like you lived 80 years miserable. Is that mm-hmm. how you want to live 80 years? Like, no man, just, and I'm not saying, you know, be reckless to where like I lived 30 great years, but I, you know, died cause I was dumb. I'm like, no, like <laughs> really feel into it. Like yeah. live fearless. Like, and not in the sense that you're, I don't feel any fear. It's like, even in the face of fear, you yeah. acknowledge your fear and go, Oh, I, I, I see you fear. Like, Mm-hmm. I see right. you, I feel you, but I'm still going to choose this because yes. I'm committed to my own. I'm committed to love. I'm committed to growth. Love I'm it. committed to life. Yeah. Committed to life, to love, to growth. I love those. All right. So this is fabulous advice. So I know that everybody's stuck around for this. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And this, this show is going to be available wherever you listen to podcasts. And Dylan, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you this, so much for joining me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been absolute. This has been Great joy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, guys, this has been Dylan Hunter Olson, and this is Decide to Transform. Everybody have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you again here soon. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>